What a joy it is to be here at Pippin. We have uh, been down in Dixon, Tennessee today. Uh, I did a report and preached for him, and I was telling him about uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to watch a video that was produced in India by GBN, Gospel Broadcast Network. Don Blackwell and Mark Teske went with us in December, did an excellent job in producing this. Everywhere I go, they say it's much better than what we've ever seen you do because they've got a $10,000 camera and I've got a $100 Walmart camera. And so that, that would help a lot. And besides that, they know what they're doing. But we were going across a log and uh, John Ratnam had told me, he said, his brother said, it's very dangerous here. So there's all kinds of snakes and said, uh, be careful when you go across there. And so, and Don Blackwell said, whatever you do, you don't, I was holding the camera, and he said, you hang on to that camera. That's the first thing go when I go in the water. I'm getting out of the water. I don't do snakes. But it was just a wonderful trip that we had. We wanted to share this with you. Our elders at Willette, we feel like that, or they feel like that every congregation that supports this work ought to see this documentary. It's already been shown on GBN twice. It's on uh, YouTube. As a matter of fact, I was in... Uh, uh, Alabama, North, North Carolina, and a lady said, I've, I've been watching you preach on GBN. She said, you look a lot younger on TV. I said, you ought to see me on the radio. I look real young. But uh, let's go ahead, and I hope it will play. It's only 22 minutes long. India is a country that is filled with over 1.2 billion souls. The population of this one country is greater than the population of all of Europe. India's population is greater than the population of North and South America combined. In fact, there are more people in India than the entire continent of Africa. According to projections by the United Nations, India will be the most populous country in the world by 2028. Of these 1.2 billion people, over 80% of them practice the Hindu religion. These people believe in many different gods, and their idols can be found throughout the country. Most villages have temples and idols where people bring their sacrifices and burn incense to their false gods. Another 13% of the population is Muslim, mainly concentrated in the northern part of the country. Less than 3% of the population of the country claims any form of Christianity. The 1.2 billion people in India are precious souls made in the image of God, but the vast majority of them do not know the true God of heaven. Unless that changes, they will pass into eternity lost and unprepared. Since the year 2000, the Willette Church of Christ in Red Boiling Springs, Tennessee, has been working to address this problem and to take the gospel to the people of India. The elders of this fine congregation have committed significant resources and manpower 
to carry the truth of Jesus Christ to the great nation of India. Jack Honeycutt works under the oversight of the elders to coordinate the work. His full-time job is to teach and preach, make materials available, lead mission trips, and raise funds to convert Indians to New Testament Christianity. The Willette congregation works closely with established churches and faithful Indian preachers to accomplish the work. In the next several minutes, we'll introduce you to the India work that is being done by the Willette Church of Christ. We'll also be introducing you to some of the Indian brethren who are actively working in their own country. And we'll give you a glimpse into the great good that is being done. The work in India is a portrait of New Testament Christianity. It is truly a joint effort of brethren in the United States working with faithful congregations in India to spread the gospel to this incredible people. Truly the fields are white unto harvest in India. I had an opportunity uh, and an opportunity and I joined uh, to be as a dentist uh, in a college. And uh, at that point, I was a little bit confused. So the knowledge is not being a doctor, uh, the knowledge is not being some, uh, some the other. But I, I thought the knowledge I can acquire by being a preacher and I make many people to be in the right knowledge what God gave for us. The Church of Christ in the Andhra Pradesh state of India began in 1972. Today, there are over 430,000 New Testament Christians in that area. We're located in Rappershed of Arantuni, India. We work among the uh, tribal people in uh, Southeast India, very, very poor people. Uh, our work has been going on for the last 35 years when Brother B. Ratnam was converted by J.C. Bailey, a Canadian missionary. We believe, as you see this uh, documentary on the work in uh, India, that uh, you too will be encouraged on what God is doing in this great country. I, I'm preaching at uh, Church of Christ, Rampachorovaram. Uh, for the last five years. Uh, uh, prior to me, my father used to speak. So far, we have constructed um, 4,000 churches and uh, uh, 1,500 preachers are now working with us. And we have other social activities like uh, uh, running orphanages in different places. So far, we are running seven orphanages, and uh, uh, we, we are running two hospitals, one at Rampachodoram and one at Tuni. And we have school of preaching at Tuni also. The Indian preachers are hardworking, and the church continues to grow at a rapid pace, with native preachers baptizing around 10,000 new members each year. Each preacher at least uh, oversee uh, three to four congregations and it is difficult for him to reach these congregations and we cannot afford to buy a motorcycle and uh, the places or the transportation is not suitable for that kind of motorcycle. So by bicycle they go uh, villages and they reach new villages and they speak uh, to the people and thus uh, uh, they bring people to the church. 
Preaching and teaching are fundamental to the work of the Lord's Church in every location. During trips to India, teams teach in as many villages as they can. While many of these congregations have been blessed with church buildings, some meet in thatch-roofed huts and other primitive settings. The goal of these efforts is to supplement the work of the local evangelists in those congregations. Whenever we visit congregations, we uh, distribute Bibles in the church. Sometimes we uh, pick up some villages and we start distributing uh, the Bibles to house to house. Every year in February, Jack Honeycutt leads a team of men on a three-week campaign to the country of India. These men will go out to three or four villages each day and preach through an interpreter to people who worship idols, belong to a denomination, or are already New Testament Christians. Oftentimes, they will preach to people who have never heard of Jesus Christ or His plan of salvation. The people in India are different than people in America in that they are more willing to listen to the gospel and are more willing to change when we prove to them the Bible is truth. In February of 2014, preaching occurred in 161 villages and 931 precious souls were baptized. In the past, 80 to 85% of those who obey the gospel will remain faithful to the Lord. Please pray for these Christians in this tribal area to overcome all the hardships and persecutions. The Tuni School of Preaching in Andhra Pradesh opened in January 2012, beginning with five full-time students. It is a two-year school that provides in-depth studies for its students using the curriculum developed by World Video Bible School. Before graduation, students will have studied each book of the Bible, as well as other vital subjects that will help them to fulfill their ministry. Uh, right now, uh, I'm working uh, at School of Preaching, Tuni, Tuni School of Preaching, and I preach uh, to the, stu I teach to the students at uh, Tuni School of Preaching, and I want to teach many people uh, about one true living God in my country, because many of my friends uh, who are uh, an idol worshippers, I, I used to teach uh, them, uh, starting when I went to school, I used to talk them and discuss about uh, one God. But now I got an opportunity uh, to know that one God. And now I want to make everyone to know that one God and preach about As of January 2015, the Tuni School of Preaching is going great with 25 full-time students. These students, upon their graduation, will have completed more than 930 classroom hours studying the biblical text. These students receive $100 each month in support that enables them to get a Bible education. When the students graduate, after they're finished their graduation, they go back into their villages and they start preaching to their uh, people and they start congregations there in their villages. So some of them are already having congregations, but uh, they, they want to learn much more uh, from the Word of God. So they came and joined and they learned a lot and they went back and they uh, were happy 
to have uh, uh, knowledge from the Word of God. Every year in November, Jack Honeycutt leads a team of men and women to India in order to teach the preachers and their wives in-depth Bible topics in a lectureship-style format. This is an essential part of the work because our preachers don't have access to commentaries, dictionaries, etc. Just imagine trying to study your Bible with absolutely no outside help, without anything to help you understand what you are reading. There are many wonderful things about the work in India, but the thirst of the souls for the gospel is so impressive, and anyone who has been involved with that work can see that. Training the local native preachers is one of the greatest ways to spread the gospel and build the church. It is our responsibility as Christians to guide our brethren who are trying to spread the gospel. We in the native language, we have the deficiency of uh, uh, books in our native language. Uh, hence, uh, uh, we felt that it's better to establish a printing press so that we can translate them into our native language and uh, uh, hand over them to the people, especially to the preachers and their congregations, so that uh, not one time we can teach them. Many times, whenever they read, they can uh, have the knowledge of God and uh, they can be kept in their houses and they can uh, may, may feel like uh, ready uh, when they come out, when they have any questions. For the last three years, uh, we've had a couple of ladies who are coming here, Lisa Holmes and Becky Honeycutt have come and prepared lessons and taught the ladies here. This year, uh, they had the privilege of teaching some of the uh, uh, young children here, prepared lessons for them. It was a great success. The women have had great success in their teaching of the preacher's wives. The preacher's wives, uh, a lot of times, will bring women with them that they're trying to convert. And so there are many baptisms that are results of the ladies' teaching here, which is fantastic. The, uh, uh, the children uh, are being taught, but the, the good thing about it is that uh, all of the lessons that they're taught are are put in copy and they're able to take these lessons home with them and distribute them and use them in their teaching. So it's a fantastic work for them. We hope to continue this work uh, for the near future uh, because we see great results from teaching the, uh, the preacher's wives over here. These men and their wives work every day teaching others in the tribal areas of India. They work so hard for so little. It is the least we can do to go over for two weeks and teach our brethren in depth. Please pray for these men and their wives to have success in the work that they do. We currently have several orphans and widows' homes. There are approximately 720 orphans and 764 widows living in these homes. These homes will provide widows with food, clothing, and shelter. These widows will help to care for the children on a daily basis. They will teach Bible to the children and to other ladies in the villages. If not for these homes, some of these widows would starve to death. We are grateful that we can be a small help to these women. 
It is amazing that $10 monthly will support one of these widows. What greater thing could we do with such a small amount of money than to provide for someone who so desperately needs our help? Thank you to all the ones who sacrifice to help in this effort. I've been particularly impressed and touched with the work of the orphans' homes. Going into the orphans' homes and seeing the conditions in which these orphans live, which is much better than what they came from. I guess that would represent all of their possessions. All of possessions. But yet, there's so much yet to be improved and providing for them bedding and food, sustaining the widows that uh, they can make a little money and provide for themselves and just doing those things which show some compassion and love to the people in India, to these orphans and to these widows, is something that I believe that anyone who sees uh, this work would be impressed with and want to be a part of. I know it's touched me in a way that I cannot imagine and uh, to a depth of my heart that it's, I just simply cannot put into words. I think you'll see some of these images and although pictures cannot tell the story, you'll get an impression of what we're talking about. These homes will provide these children with food, clothing, shelter, and an education. Most of these children are true orphans, with both parents being dead. These children will grow up in a spiritual environment. They will memorize scripture on a daily basis and study the Bible daily. Most of these children will become Christians by the time they are 12 to 15 years of age. These children will receive an education that most children in this part of India do not have the opportunity to receive. These children are very happy and content because they realize that they are loved and taken care of physically and spiritually. And all of this is done for $25 monthly per child. Again, thank you for providing so much for these children. By establishing these kind of orphanages, we can lead them into Lord and the Word of God. And there are instances many orphans have become Christians. And we can say that 95% of orphanages have become Christians after admitting in these orphanages. However, there are thousands more orphans and widows in India that would love to be in one of these homes but we don't have the means to take everyone in. It is through the support of brethren throughout America that makes it possible for this work to be able to care for at least a few of these orphans and widows. Hopefully in the future, this work will continue to grow and we can take in more of those that so desperately need our help. Please continue to pray for this work as we strive to obey James 1, 27. The people of India suffer from numerous illnesses and diseases, thus there is a dire need for medical help. For several years, we have had a medical clinic in the Tuni area that was funded by one of our preachers through an inheritance left to him. More recently, in 2001, we have through funds donated by individuals been able to open a full service hospital in Ramchadavaram. The nearest hospital is an hour and a half away, so it fills a great need in the community. Both of these facilities provide free care to anyone in need. At the hospital, 
five doctors see between 100 to 200 patients each day. These doctors are supported by congregations in the U.S. I appreciate the good work you guys Not only do the people get their physical needs met, but they are also given an opportunity to hear the gospel while they wait. They can see the Christian love and compassion and uh, the way we give our social um, social help for them uh, in their health also. That's the reason sometimes they show interest. They want to know about God. And there are instances people came to know God by coming to these hospitals and they become Christians. There is always a great need for money to purchase medicines. Though we have congregations who support the doctors, we don't have designated monthly support for medicines. These people in, make very many sacrifices in trying to spread the gospel in this area. We've been very, very blessed in converting thousands of people in this area to the gospel. Many Hindus and denominational people have been uh, converted to the New Testament church and are now Christians because of the efforts of these folks in this area. There's a great need in India. There is a great work to be done. There are many, many, many souls who need the gospel of Christ. They're serving idols. They're serving the creations of their hands. They're starving. They need the Lord. They need you and me to get involved and to make a difference. The church in India is at primary level. They need all kinds of support from all, uh, uh, all corners. Um, they have enthusiasm to spread the gospel of God, Christ, uh, but they don't have means uh, to go to, uh, to reach the congregations. So if we uh, help them by providing this kind of tools uh, to them and also uh, help them by uh, giving uh, their children good education, uh, ch their children good uh, taking care of their children or the, uh, their health, they'll definitely uh, focus on the preaching and uh, they'll reach out more congregations. After seeing the in-depth work uh, going on in India, we believe that uh, you would uh, not only be encouraged, but that you would want to help us in reaching uh, many there with the gospel. Uh, we have people that are available to do the work, but uh, we need your not only prayers, but your financial help in trying to reach these folks. Friends, souls hang in the balance. The Willette congregation is working diligently to carry the gospel to a nation that is hungry for it. But we can't do it without your help. That video <clears throat> was actually uh, produced to show on GBN and YouTube for the benefit of trying to get more congregations involved. And so that's the reason we're making such a plea for financial help uh, from faithful congregations. I appreciate so much what this congregation has done for many, many years to help us to win souls in India. A couple of things I want to correct because it kind of bothers me. We said on the video that it would be impossible to understand the biblical text 
without some help. We don't need any help in understanding the biblical text other than when you're in India and we have uh, some language problems and we try to provide some information where they can do word studies, especially in the school of preaching, but uh, no one has ever said anything about it. But it always bothers me when we say that you just can't open up the Bible and read the Bible and understand the text. Uh, that's the way you do understand it, with a good, honest, and sincere heart. We have 4,000 congregations in India. We have several that's got church buildings, some that we have helped build, but some of them uh, they have built uh, themselves. I want to uh, do just a, a short uh, presentation on the, the PowerPoint, just kind of let you uh, tell you a little bit about where we are now. That was actually produced uh, last uh, November, or last December in January, uh, brought in, finally got it done in March, so there's a lot been going on since then. Let me just tell you something that has happened that we, and if you've gotten the newsletter, you'll probably get it this week. Some of you may have gotten it uh, by email. There's a famine, there is a drought in Andre Pradesh State. Literally, there are thousands of people being displaced because of uh, no work. Men are having to leave and actually desert their families because they have nothing uh, to do, to work, no, no, no kind of jobs, no, nothing to be able to work at uh, because the crops are all burnt up. They're not doing any good, so they're having to go somewhere else. And so we have 57 children that we just admitted in the Rappershadow Arm Children's Home. That makes us about 106 children that we're taking care of. And so we would ask that you, you pray for those brethren, especially those that don't have a job, they're having to travel, they don't even know where they're going. They're just trying to go somewhere where they can find some work and help and send it back to their family. Brethren, we're blessed in this nation. We really are. Every time I do, and I've watched that video probably a hundred times, and every time I watch it, it just reminds me, even though every spiritual blessing is in Christ. I understand what Ephesians 1-3 says, but we have a lot of physical blessings too. They can enjoy the same spiritual blessing that we have in Ephesians 1-3, but a lot of things that we enjoy. Most of us will go home tonight. We'll have our homes. We will have beds to sleep in. We'll have refrigerators. We will have cars to drive. Most of those folks will never have that. And yet, they, I was at a place about four or five years ago, and we were talking about uh, how many poor people are there here. I was trying to make a point about being poor. Even though you're poor, you can still be rich in Christ. And uh, I said, how many poor people? And everybody started pointing at one man. I thought, man, he must really be poor because it, obviously they're all poor. And so I, I don't know how poor that guy is, but I guess that's a matter of perspective. But we are really, really blessed in this country. I want to show you a couple of things that is very, very important. Is this thing not working? Okay. I want to show you that there are over 100 and uh, over 80 million people in India that we're working with. 80 million. This is in the area of Andhra Pradesh uh, State and Telangana in the borders of that uh, state. I don't know, where do I need to be pointing this thing at? Here? Okay. 80 million souls. And let me, let me tell you something that's interesting. In India, there are over 456 million people that live on less than a dollar and a quarter a day. The areas that we're going to back in the jungles, I know if you go to a, a, 
convenience mart t today or a hotel and an Indian's running it, and you might say, well, they don't, they don't look like they're poor. Well, they're, they are the high caste. We ate at Subway today, and there was an Indian lady, and I said, you speak Telugu? No, 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 no. She said, I speak Hindi. And I said, so you're high caste? Oh, yes, high caste. I said, what, what uh, class are you? What caste? She said, I am of the Patel, so you've probably heard of that. That's the highest that you can get in India. And so these people that we're working with, they are the low caste people. They are the ones that have really been forgotten about. They'll never uh, be in a position of authority in India. But they have a soul, by the way, and that is so, so important. I want you to notice also, I spoke at Polishing a Pulpit again this year, and I spoke on Islam in India. Did you know there are over 172 million Muslims in India? The second largest population other than Indonesia, is right here in India. So we're having to deal in the churches of Christ in this area. We're having to deal with those Muslims that will not allow us to build some church buildings in some places. And I was supposed to be on GBN in March the 26th this year. I was on GBN talk show where they call in and ask you questions. Dave Miller and I was supposed to be on there, and we were going to discuss Islam. They found about it out in found out about it in India, and they requested that we not do. Uh, Islam because it's too close to the proximity of Roger Mundry and that would really cause them some problems and so we're having to deal with that we're having to deal with some extreme uh, Hindus also as a matter of fact I want you to look at this last one there are over 400 million people in India that has never heard the name of Jesus Christ 400 million people can you believe that here's one of the uh, Muslims that were killed Someone said this morning, said, I can't believe you had that owner. Why not? It's in the newspaper. It was on the TV there in India. Let me tell you the story about it. March the 6th, the last day that I spoke, right outside of Hyderabad, you can see the village, now uh, Gonda. Now Gonda was an area where we've got a church of Christ. We've got a congregation there. I was preaching. We even baptized. I believe it was about seven or eight people that day. They had worked hard. We left, came home. Three weeks later, I get this email, and they had come in and killed six extremists, Muslim extremists, in that same village where we preached. They were probably there then. But let me tell you something, brethren. Our God is in control of everything. Folks think we're crazy. They think, and I've had people, I can understand my mother used to say that because uh, she's not, she wasn't a member of the church. But when we are Christians, brethren, we've got to realize that God's with us. He's going to help us. If something happens, we're going to heaven. I mean, I don't want them to cut my head off or anything, but still, our faith needs to be stronger than sometimes what it is. We're afraid sometimes to go across the street, afraid somebody's going to mistreat us or say something to us. Listen, God is in control. They need to hear the gospel. And uh, right now, we just had a man that's going to go with us uh, to India. He had been to India with another group. He's a good man. He spoke at Paulus in the pulpit. He just got his visa, a 10-year visa. We always get our visas on, on uh, we're, we're touring, we're tourists. And we're going to go see our brethren. While we're there, they're going to invite us to speak. They just stamped the government, this extreme Hindu government that's now in power. They've been in power for one year. They stamped on his passport not to be used as mission work and charity work. So what's going to happen in the future? They're going to start bringing charges against folks that's going to India if they're caught preaching. 
we're not going to be as missionaries. We're going to visit our faithful brethren and to visit with them. They're going to ask us to speak. That's always been legal in the past. In the past, my visa is a ten-year visa. I still got eight years on it. It's not in there. So uh, I'd ask for you uh, to pray uh, for those churches. You know, we've got goals. We set goals every year. Last year, in 2014, we had about eight goals, and we met every one of them. We had a goal of trying to get $100,000 for Bibles in India last year, and we ended up with 102000 This year, we've set a goal, the $3 each. Today, Willette just had a contribution, a special contribution on the fifth Sunday, and every penny was designated to go for Bibles or song books. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't end up with twelve, fifteen, maybe even twenty thousand uh, dollars toward Bibles and song books. Uh, song books, we print them on our own printing press. We've got a printing press that we have printed all of Tom Holland's books. He's given us permission. Lottie Beth Hobbs, Leroy Brownlow, why I'm a member of the Church of Christ. John Mayberry has done a great job in uh, doing a lot of writing on tracks and commentaries. Uh, we've written some tracks. We're putting that on our printing press. We're getting that into the hands of. of uh, the folks in that area, and there's not one thing the government can do about it. We're doing that because and we, instead of contracting it, and we're afraid that they're going to change some of the uh, printing in it, we can print it ourselves, translate ourselves, print it, and we're doing that in India. We've got a goal of having 100,000 uh, song books. I, I was in India this year where that actually they had uh, a lot of places we went, they didn't even have song books. Okay, could you imagine? You've got PowerPoint. You've got song books. They don't have either one. And so we're going to do that. We're on a, a mission. We feel like that we're going to be able to raise $100,000 to print uh, song books for India. And guess what's interesting about this work? And you know this. Every penny given to this work goes to India. Not one person on our mission team receives one penny from the funds that's given to India. That's been a selling point to this work. That's the reason we have over 100 churches involved in the work. I was in Spartanburg, uh, South Carolina. They, that's where Michael Grooms is preaching now. They just gave us $5,000 for a church building. We were at a place this morning. A man took us out to eat, gave us money for a church building this morning. You see, there are brethren that they know that this is a legitimate work because every person we've ever taken to India is just overwhelmed. But when you go in and you meet those brethren, you worship with those brethren, you see uh, the, the church building, you see the children's home, you see the hospital, you see the good that's being done, folks get involved. Let me tell you about the bicycle. And, and by the way, I know uh, this, this congregation has been very... Uh, you know, a part of raising funds of children, collecting their money for Bibles. I really, really appreciate that. A little boy came in and they told me he called me Honey Jack. They call me Sweet Man in India. They don't. They can't ever say Honeycut. And so Brother Ratnam used to say uh, Sweet Man. I'm a long way from being a Sweet Man, but nevertheless, uh, that's what he could remember me by. But I appreciate these Bible classes doing that. In India, or it will at what we do in our Bible classes, and that's where you get to these Bible uh, bicycles. They're hundred dollars each. Did you know last year our children at Willette, just in the Bible classes, they bought 22 bicycles. That just blew my mind. Right now they're at 30. They will take their allowance or they'll take their money, and now daddies and mamas will give them a dollar or two dollars, and they'll drop it in that little uh, bucket, 
in the classrooms. And you know what those bicycles do? It enables those preachers to go and work at two, three, four different congregations as he will go and preach, but then he can evangelize. They don't have any other way of getting around but buy those bicycles. This year, we're going to buy 150. Last year, we bought over 100. This year, we're going to do 150 bicycles. And if you bought me a bicycle and I was going to go from Free State up here, I'd had to leave yesterday and I probably still wouldn't be here. But, you know, I've got one in my garage that we bought and it's not doing me a bit of good because I don't like ride bicycles. I don't have to have one. Why do you ride a bicycle when you got, uh, uh, you know, got a motor out there, a vehicle with a motor? But those folks, they treasure those bicycles. Uh, church buildings, last year we, we had a goal of 25 church buildings. We ended up with 26 at $4,500. They've gone up to 5000 This year we're going to uh, set it at 22. Uh, we're going to build 22 church buildings. We're going to meet that goal, we believe. And you know when those folks over there get a church building, it, is, it shows several things. Number one, it shows stability in that village. I, I'm not critical. I set up a booth at Polish Pulpit. A lot of folks came up to me and said, you know about this mission work over in India? You know anything about this mission work? I just know that when you go into our work that covers about 500 miles square area, you go down the road and you'll see a sign over there that there is a local congregation there. They've been, they have been established. They've been there for years and years and years. Sometimes you'll go, they don't even have a church building, but they've got a little hut. And it's, it's a congregation that has been uh, established by our work, by our brethren, and it says Church of Christ. I've worshipped in those little places all over, all over. Sometimes you go into these places where there's supposed to be mission works, and you don't see any evidence of the work. Went to Haiti, went to uh, Jamaica and did some mission work. I, I was supposed to be teaching 26 preachers in Haiti about uh, they were trying to get their master's degree. They were supposed to be gospel preachers. I was teaching them the book of Exodus after the first day. I didn't teach the book of Exodus. I taught them first principles. That's what they needed. They didn't even know anything about the Lord's church. They didn't know anything about the plan of salvation. And yet they're trying to get a master's degree. Hey, I came back and reported to the man in Atlanta that was in charge of it. I said, those guys don't need to be working on a master's. Somebody needs to go over and convert them. Brethren, I can honestly say the 1,500 preachers that we work with, especially these guys that go through our schools of preaching, and any denominational preacher that's converted, he has to go through uh, a crash course at least for 30 days. They go through the Zion School of Evangelism, sometimes for six months. I promise you when they get through that schooling, they can tell you book, chapter, and verse, not only of the plan of salvation, but they can also tell you about the plan uh, of, of the church when it comes to worship and organization of the church. Knowledge is very important. And so this year we're going to build 22 church buildings. We've already done the $10,000 repair church buildings. One reason that we're buying sewing machines, Jim Walton has been doing this for years, we feel like it's a great thing because when a lady's husband dies in India, she will never remarry in the, in the areas that we work in. If she remarries, they, they would be a taboo. They would lose their influence. We tell them they can. We encourage them to do that. We think that would help them in the church. We think that would help them also uh, in, in uh, their relationship uh, financially. Paul says you can remarry. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about remarrying only the Lord, but remarry. And we've got a lot of Christian men over where they could, they could marry, but they won't do it. So instead of when they die, if there's no family to take care of them, then they're, they're just at the hands of the church. Somebody's going to have to feed them. 
And so we're getting sewing machines into the hands of these ladies. The Zion ladies uh, in their ladies' Bible class, they have uh, committed to buying one per year, uh, one per month. And so we're probably already at, a, I don't know, maybe 30 sewing machines this year. And it helps those ladies to be able to, to uh, stay home and to be able to pr provide for themselves. We're going to sing the invitation hymn in just a moment. I want you to turn to your Bibles with me. I'm going to show you some scriptures that I think is so important to a New Testament Christian. I want you to go to uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where Paul said, There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, to those that walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now, I want to show you a couple of things that I want to back up. Because there were no divisions of chapters and verses. So, when you look at that word, there is, or one translation says, therefore. What has been said prior to this? Let's look at the context of which Paul said there is no condemnation. By the way, the word condemnation means nothing negative. There's nothing negative about being in Christ. Now, you know how to get into Christ. Surely, Galatians 3, verse 26 following. It says, uh, for we're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of us have been baptized in Jesus Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male or female, but we're all one in Christ. How would you get into Christ? You're baptized into Christ. But I want to show you something here. There is nothing negative, not anything negative, about being in Christ. You become a Christian. But did you know there are a lot of people that have become Christians that are in Christ? Did you know what else he says? Notice what else he says. To those who are in Christ and who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, you can be in Christ, you, have been, you can be baptized and still not walk after the Spirit. Matter of fact, a lot of Christians are walking that way, I'm afraid, in some places. Did you know the importance of being in Christ and also walking, verb, manner of life? That's what Paul said in Ephesians 4, 1, where he said to, to walk worthy, the vocation wherein you've been called. The vocation, our manner of life. We are to walk, a verb, actions. How? According to the Spirit or the teachings of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. But now I want you to go up. Look at what he says in verses 40, uh, verse 23, 24, and 25. It makes sense when you read 8, 1. Remember, there's no division. So you, it's, he says, but I see another law. I'm doing this for the sake of time. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity in the law of sin, which is in my member. In other words, Paul said there's a war going on. There's a battle. By the way, do you know you're in a battle? I'm in a battle. It's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Our flesh is weak. Our spirit wants to do. You know, we know what's right. We are acquainted with truth. We understand what truth is and what God wants us to do. But, you know, there's, there's a part of us, just like Paul said, there's a war. It's a warring in my flesh. Look at what he says in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul's thinking about the flesh now. He's thinking about how that, hey, this flesh, I want to do right. I want to do what the Spirit teaches, what I know is right. But he said, man, I, I'm, sometimes I'm wretched. I'm, I'm miserable because of this. Look at what he says, verse 25. But I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I, my, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ and to those that walk according to the Spirit. That's good news. Friends, as long as there's life in your body, there's going to be a battle. There's a war. 
No wonder Paul would say in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might withstand the wiles of the devil. We are in a war. If it was a physical war, remember John 18.36? Jesus said, put up your sword. If my kingdom was of this world, I, I would call more than 12 legions of angels. Sometimes it would be much easier if it was a physical war. We could get some guns and we could get some army tanks and we could win. It's not our war with Satan, our battle with Satan is not physical. It's spiritual. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. As long as there's life in your body, you're going to always be at, be at war. I preached this this morning. Matter of fact, there was a man in our audience that had a sign that he was uh, Reverend so and so, and he was visiting there uh, today. Went to eat lunch with him, and oh, he was really bragging on my sermon. Hmm. I must not have preached exactly like I should have preached because he probably shouldn't have been bragging on my sermon because I preached a hard sermon. Brethren, in churches of Christ, in the places that we go visit, and I do this every time I go to a gospel meeting and preach, we need a revival. We need a revival in the local church. When we cannot get our own members to participate and to be involved in the very basic essential work of the church, when folks are adopting this attitude that whatever the world's doing, whatever the denominations are doing, you know, we've got to try to reach out and get as many people in, it is a personal commitment. It is also a personal responsibility that we have with Almighty God that we develop and grow, as Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't care how many years ago you've been baptized. You'll never get to the point in your life that you should not be growing and maturing and developing and wanting to improve your life. Sometimes, brethren, we can't even get our own memory. Here in Cookville, I preached in a gospel meeting a few years ago. 500 members. One of the elders told me, said, Now listen, you better preach your best sermon this morning because tonight we'll have about half probably or maybe a little bit more. But said, Now this week, I know there's all kinds of ball games going on and board members going. Uh, they've got some board, uh, board meetings and, you know. You see, that's the problem. Any and everything comes before our commitment to God. And it should not be that way. Why in the world can we not under... And I think you probably do. You're here tonight. But I'm just wanting to, to kind of jar us back to, reality, to myself. First and foremost, my obligation is to God. If I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind, Matthew 22, 36 through 38, elders won't be making excuses for members. We'll preach, we'll teach, we'll be committed to God and to that truth because, my friends, without it, we can't get to heaven. There is no condemnation. There's nothing negative about being in Christ. I like that, don't you? You'll never regret. You won't get on your deathbed if you've been a faithful child of God and you have developed in your relationship to God and you're faithful. You'll never get on your deathbed and say, man, I wish I would have not gone to church. I wish I hadn't spent all that time studying my Bible. You'll never say that, but I promise you this. I've been by the, uh, the person that's dying had a lot of regrets. Don't do that. Enjoy each day. Live life to its fullest. It is a joy to be a Christian. Those people in India think we've got it made over here in America. They think we are so blessed and that we've got all of these physical blessings. And yet one of the Indians told me not too long ago, I was over there. 
He says, brother, America is changing. It's not like it used to be. He said, is God still going to bless America? He says, when all of these laws that you all are passing, well, first of all, those nine judges, supreme judges, forgot to understand that there is a supreme judge greater than any judge on this earth. And I told him that. They may pass laws. That doesn't make it right with God. doesn't matter what the world does. We know what the truth is. We understand the truth. In a, in a changing world, and even sometimes in congregations where we go and, and I, I preach and do these uh, India reports, it is amazing the way sometimes people dress, sometimes the way people act, the lack of commitment. And I'm here to challenge you and to challenge myself that there, this war that Paul talked about has to be fought by each one of us individually. And I promise you this, you can win. I like that, don't you? My favorite verse, and we're going to close. Thanks be to God for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It is a joy to be a Christian. I know you are so thankful that you obeyed the gospel. Some of you probably before I was even born. And I appreciate your commitment. I love folks that are so dedicated. I saw a lady come in in her walker and just, it really took her. I appreciate you, ma'am. Don't even know you, but I appreciate you coming. That's the kind of people, that's the kind of dedication that we need among every child of God to show people in our communities, in our workplace, that we're committed to God. First and foremost, if you're not a Christian now, would you come? Obey the gospel, repent of your sins based upon your faith, and be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Done that, been unfaithful. Man, the church is a place where we love, we care, we have compassion, we forgive because God does the very thing that we're trying to do. But at a much, much more pace. I mean, he knows what love is. Would you come right now while together we stand and as we sing.